Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We're going to be in Genesis, the book of Genesis, chapter 8. Genesis, super easy to find, first book of the Bible. If you're using a paper Bible, you can use your phone if you'd like to look it up that way. Genesis 8, I'll let you decide. Would you like to start the talk with a definition or a story? Everybody. I don't even know why I asked. Tell us a story. So this last Monday was an annual event for me. It is the, it is the beach, the swimming raft event. So we have a family cabin up in northern Michigan, and there's a raft. That, there's a, here's a picture. This is not the raft, but it looks basically just like that. And so every year you've got to take the raft from the water because it's going to get cold. You have to bring it up, and you have to drag it up on the beach. So this last Monday was the annual event. And uh, so just so you know what it's like, it's amazing. Now, yeah, I, I, so it's almost always me, and I swim out, and I take a canoe paddle with me. And then I try to, you have to pull up the weights that keep it in place, and then you, then you try to paddle. But this is not like kayaking, because you, you paddle on one side, and it basically spins you this way, and then you go the other side. But over time, you know, you, you inch your way up to the beach, and then the beach is on an incline. And so basically getting up on the beach, because I don't know what this thing weighs, but I'm sure it's three or four or five hundred pounds. And so you get on each side, I get, and I just you know, and you move it like two or three inches, and then you go to the other side, and and when you bring this side up three inches, the other side goes back down, because it's, it's just the way it works. This year, it was such an honor to have my wife helping me with this, so we were both going on each side, and then we get on the other side, and my wife says to me something like this, wouldn't it be great to have a winch and just pull it up on the beach? women. I'm like, no, because I want to use my muscles. No. But as she said that, really within like two seconds, I remember going, I have one of those. And I've been doing this, this event has been happening for like 10 years of my life. I'm like, wait, I have one of those. And we actually uh, bought a four-wheeler from my father-in-law. Four-wheeler looks kind of like this, except for it's old. <laughs> and on the front of the four-wheeler, we have a winch that looks kind of like that. And so I told my, after she said it, I went, I went, I went up, got the four-wheeler, came down, parked the four-wheeler, took the little winch thing. I've never used this winch, ever. And just, you know, pulled it out, hooked it onto the thing, and then... I sat on the four-wheeler and took my little thumb and went, <laughs> and it was like magic. It just, like, <laughs> like this, it's amazing. The winch took and made what was typically like an, uh, an hour-long laborious task and made it two minutes did the whole thing with one finger, and emotionally made me so happy. In fact, I actually, I think I did have the thought, maybe we should just push it out and winch it in again. <laughs> I can't wait till next year. 
be a totally different experience. I use that story to introduce a definition called <clears throat> of this, uh, a game changer. It's just a game changer. Most of us know what this is. It's a newly introduced element or factor that changes an existing situation or activity in a significant way. It's a game changer. I think we've all probably experienced things like this. It's when you learn the magic button on the, the computer that like resets stuff and somebody says, oh, just do, and then you're like, oh, this, I, and it works then. Uh, financially, just so you know, this class that we offered called, called Financial Peace University I have heard people pretty regularly will describe that as a game changer class. So I've got some people in the room that are nodding their heads. So it's really something you should consider. Uh, relationally, I've heard people describe how a date night, if they're married, they'll do a, every week, they'll, every week they'll do a date night. And it has significantly changed their marriage, just this one added element. It's the game changer kind of idea. And I'm going to jump to where we're going to head for the, for the day, and not just the day, but for the next several weeks. I would submit to you that the ultimate game changing thing is the activity of God. The activity of God. Uh, some Bible verses. Just examples. In Genesis 1 chapter in Genesis 1, verse 2, it describes the earth as this. The earth was formless. This is part of the creation story. Formless, picture it, empty, dark. Then in verse 3, it says, and God said, and everything changed. Over the next chapter, right? God got involved, no longer formless, empty, dark. Another example is in Exodus, where God's people, the Israelites are in the midst of 20, try to picture this, 20 generations of slavery. That's a long time. And it says of, in this moment, it says, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, because they're slaves. And it says, so I have come down to rescue them. Game changer. And it's not just like big uh, uh, earth changes or generational changes. Jesus shows us examples of very uh, arguably intimate, personal, game-changing moments. Jesus uh, is described in Matthew chapter 4. He's walking beside, I think it's the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers and he ends up saying, come follow me changing those two guys' lives. I think it's Ann, Peter and somebody. It's Peter and somebody, Andrew. Peter and Andy. Andy's one of the disciples. Um, there's another story in Mark chapter 5. Uh, it's hard to imagine. Maybe you've experienced something like this, but a couple parents, their 12-year-old daughter died. That's, but that's tragedy. That's hard. Jesus gets involved. 
not long after she passed away, and it says that he, that's Jesus, he, he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha calm, which means, I don't know why I like this, little girl, I say to you, get up. She rises from the dead. That's a game changer. You can imagine what that would be like as a parent, or if you're the little girl, right? Big deal. God's a God's activity is a game changer. So, hold those thoughts. We are kicking off a series called, But God. Two words that change everything. And here's the hope for the series. We might, wouldn't this be great, if we might experience more of those moments where God's activity gets involved and it changes things significantly. That's the hope over the next several weeks. And the plan is we're going to study sections of the Bible where life and the story will be going along. And then those two words will appear, but God. Which signifies typically a shift. Like, you know, life's going on and blah, 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 blah. But God, it's like a testimony. Maybe you've heard testimonies like this. This is what was happening in my life. But God, and then he gets involved. So we're going to study those kind of moments. Today in Genesis 8, it's one of the earliest but God moments in the Bible, and it's part of the story of Noah. And many of you have heard of Noah and the ark. It's, it's uh, in chapters, I think, probably 6, 7, and 8 of Genesis. Uh, what do you need to know to make this verse make sense, here's a few things we need to know. First of all, creation has happened, and it was really, really good. Then sin happens, and things get really ugly. And over multiple generations, the sin problem gets uglier and uglier. And it gets so ugly that God decides he regrets making mankind, and he's going to send a flood to wipe things out. And you've probably heard the flood story, this deluge of water, uh, so that nothing can live. And now, in the, just at this text, the world is like nothing but a giant ocean. And Noah and the animals that God saved, they have been rocking on this boat-ish for about a year. And that's a long time. And that should get us to the text where it begins with our words, but God, right? It says, but God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded. And just to get a fuller picture, if you go to the end of verse 5, it says, and on the first day of the 10th month, the tops of the mountains became visible. Can I insert a song here? I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all... Did anybody remember that song, right? I think... Did you know Noah wrote that song? It's been around a long time. 
and the animals played magical instruments behind him. The giraffe played a bass. Sorry, that was all not true. Uh, but it would have been that kind of moment, I think, for Noah, having been in this ark, this Monday, this ark thing for a year, and then the mountain. Okay. So the the title of the talk is "All Is Lost," so it would appear, but God. And I want to explore two activities of God, elements in this story that would add to this arguably game-changing moment. Uh, by the way, this is important. Again, because if we can know these things about God and how he operates, chances are it might increase the chances in our lives of seeing more of it. So before I give you these points, would you all stand? Since we're starting a series, sometimes we do this. Typically we do this. We're going to pray about today, and we're going to pray for the next eight weeks or so. God, we need more. Most of us probably can think of areas of our life right now we would love to see you bring some kind of a game-changing activity into our lives, our relationships, our friendships, our marriage, our parenting, our kids, our emotions, maybe our finances or physically. We just need you. So over the next weeks, will you, will you show us how you work and mostly will you work? among us and help us have open ears this morning to your voice during this talk in jesus name amen amen thanks for standing and praying you can be seated here's the first idea we're going to talk about this game-changing moment is connected to if you want to write this down there's a handout if on your way in or you can use the app if you'd like this game-changing moment is connected to god remembering the remnant we're going to call the remnant. Most of us know what a remnant is. It's the little part that's left. Um, in the verse, verse 1, but God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the boat, the ark. I would submit to you, we get this, that, that little section of humanity and the animals, that's a remnant. If you go back a year before this, there are gazillions of animals and all that everywhere, and there's, you know, millions of people everywhere, and now this is all that's left. And I think it would be easy to feel like with the flood... And the, the tragedy of the flood, it would be easy in this moment to think, all is lost, right? Everything is gone. But it's not. And God is basically going to use this little part that is left to rebuild and do amazing things. Here's where we're going to dwell you can write this in. God never forgets the, what I'm going to call, I don't think this is great, but this is what we're going to call it, the element of hope in a huge mess. And this little section that's left is the element of hope. Another way to think of it is God regularly 
creates wonderful change with this little bit that is still there. There's so many areas in the Bible that describe things like this. One of them is in Matthew 14. Jesus is facing a bunch of people and they're hungry, 5,000 people. And Jesus says, well, gets the idea, let's feed them. And the disciples' response is, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. That's a remnant. That's all we have left. That's it. But Jesus didn't, does not say, oh, that's all we got? Send them home. Jesus uses that what is left and does a miraculous, wonderful, amazing story, encounter thing. Another example, uh, you might want to read this story. It's a great account. There's a prophet, his name's Elijah, and he encounters a woman. There's a woman who is in a really, really dark time. Her husband has died. She's left with kids and a bunch of debt, like overwhelming debt. So much so that in this time in history, the only option she has is she's going to have to sell her children to the, de the, the, the debt her debt the person, that other person. Right? She's going to have to give up her kids. And so she comes to Elisha, the prophet, the representative of God. And here's what Eli Elisha says to her. This is noteworthy. He asks her, tell me what you have. She's got all kind of loss. But he says, tell me what you have. That's important. She starts with, well, there's nothing at all, she says, except the remnant, right? Except I have a small jar of olive oil. And that was all God needed to multiply that and work with that so that she ends up paying all of her debts. It's a great story. But it's, this, it's, it's the power, it's the testimony of what God can do with the little bit of good that we have still available. You can write this in. God starts stories of change with what is available. Not what we don't have. <laughs> is it not super easy to just sit around and Notice what we don't have, but God starts stories of change with what we do have, even if it's just a little bit. It raises a challenging question for us, I think. It's this, do I focus on the remnant I have or the lack that I'm missing? And if you're like me, when you read that, you think, oops, I focus so much of my life on, on what I'm missing instead of bringing to God what I have. So how does this work? I think an example might be, you might think, well, your relationship, your marriage is not going well. You might think this is only operating on 30%. Here's the idea. Get your 30% into the hands of God. That'll be plenty for him to create Momentum and change. You might think financially, oh, I, just have, I just have this job. Well, that's a job. 
I only have, to, I, have this, I have this much income. Get that into the hands of God. Bring it to God and say, okay, Lord, I know there's stuff I've been, maybe, I, maybe this isn't you. I've been whining about all this other stuff, but this is what I have. Will you help? Bring it to him, get it in his hands. He doesn't need a bunch. Small beginnings can, come up, can, can become vast things in the hands of God. Emotionally, you might think, I don't have much. Well, what do you got? Bring it to God. I was reminded, and I was thinking about this, a comment a man, a young guy made back, I was a young adult, and I was leading, I think I was leading or participating in a, a young adult Bible study, so there were 12, 14, 16 young adults. This is back when I was a young adult. So I think it was 1893 or so. Some of you didn't catch that at all. Some of you believed it, like, well, I thought he was about that old. So I'm 142 and look pretty good. All right. Anyway, this, we were talking about and challenging each other on let's live for God, right? Let's turn toward God. Let's use our lives and live for God. And Steve, his name was Steve. It may have been, I think his last name may have been Steve Sherman. And he, there was this moment of honesty, because we were getting ready to pray for each other, and he said this, I want to want to live for God. Do you see what he's saying there? Like, I don't want to live, but I want, it's like I wish, does that make sense? Does that make any sense at all? I want, like, this is just what I got. I'm not going to lie and tell you I'm an amazing Christian, I want to follow, right? With my whole heart, it's like, I want to want to. And, and as I thought about this, that this week, I thought that in the hand of God is probably a lot. So that's the first idea from the text is this game-changing moment is connected to God remembering the remnant. Now, before we get on to the second point, there's a little side thing here that I feel like I should do. I feel like God would just encourage you if you are being a remnant person. And what I mean by that is you may be, and take this as, you may be the only Christian in your family. And God would say to you today, way to go, thanks for being the remnant in your family. Does that make sense? Maybe you're part of the few or fewer people now that believe that the Bible is God's inspired word and the final authority on how to live. You think, oh, that's what I, well, you're not, there's masses of people that don't do that anymore. But you're, I'm holding to this book. God bless you, be the remnant. You never know what God will do with a few people who still believe the right thing. You may be your own, the only still morally, sexually pure kid in your entire high school class. You're still a virgin. <gasps> he said virgin at church. You're still, because you are going to wait until you get married. Here's what I would say to you. Way to go. 
God, do never think that God does not notice the things that we're doing, even if we're the only one. God notices that stuff. You never know how God might use that. What else I have? You may be the only one on your sports team that has quit taking God's name in vain. You're like, I'm not going to do it. Out loud. <laughs> hey, that's better, right? It's a remnant. It's at least in your, sorry, maybe that's just me. <laughs> but there's a difference between, there's a difference between saying it and when it comes to mind, like taking captive that thought and go, I'm not going to do that. Does that make sense? Be that individual. You might be part of the small percentage of people that are in church every week. Like you're just, I'm going to be in church every week. I'm going to at least take an hour, hour and a half and honor God after all he's done for me. Like you're that person. That matters. So that's just that little addition. Oh, I had it this way. Be the Noah in your world. Be that guy. Be that woman. So that's a little addition to the first point. All right, second idea is this. This game-changing moment is connected to God sending a fresh wind. I'm going to try to get through this quickly. A fresh wind. It's the second activity after our but God moment. It says, but God remembered Noah and he sent a wind. What I want to do is jump to the meat of this point quickly going to acknowledge that the wind in this context was a physical wind, and it was very practical, and it was going to dry out the earth more quickly. But some of you know this. Many times in Scripture, the word for wind is the same word as the word for spirit. So even this word in the Old Testament, here's the definition on the, on the screen, it can mean breath or wind or spirit. And what I want to jump to is the idea of, here, you can write this in. When we need a change, look for a spiritual breeze. Look for a spiritual breeze. And I'll take it one step further. How about this? Ask for God to send his spiritual wind in your direction, in the area that you need help. Ask him. Just for some theological clarity, God, I think this is probably not perfect, but it's okay. God loves it when we ask for more of his spirit. There's a, there's a verse that some of us might know from Luke 11, and it's pretty familiar verse. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. How many of you have heard of that verse? Okay, a lot of us, right? So that's a great verse. Yes, we should be asking for all kinds of things, but the context of the verse gives more clarity as to what the priority in God's heart was when Jesus was saying this. In verse 13, it says, and the Father in heaven will give the the Holy Spirit. That's a huge part of what he's hoping for, is that we would be people who would say, God, send the Holy Spirit. God, give me more of the, of the freshness of your spirit, the power of your spirit in my life, in my circumstances. Ask. Ask. Are we asking God 
to send his spirit. So here, so here's a kind of like a big question. What does that look like? Like to ask God for his spirit. I don't have a phenomenal answer. I just want to describe to you something that I've been doing over the last 30 days in my life that's kind of connected to this. Just, just so you know, um, my Christian life, I became a Christian, you know, 30-some years ago, and since then, I've not struggled once. <laughs> Somebody right here went, ha, ha. Okay. No, because it's ups and downs and challenges, and then I, then I really stink at it. And then, like, so anyway, in the last 30 days, I've been doing something new, and I realized that this is connected kind of to God, will you send your spirit, blow this direction, because I need some help. So I went back to a season in my life when I was younger, and I would, uh, did some music stuff, and I started to sing a song about 30 days ago. I've sung it probably 60 times in the last 30 days. And, it, and it, I've realized that it's, a, it's kind of a, it's an ask song. And it goes something like this. It goes, draw me close to you. Never let me go. I lay it all down again. To hear you say that I'm your friend. Yesterday afternoon, I cried in my car when I prayed, when I said that part. It says, you are my desire. No one else will do. Because nothing else can take your place. To feel the warmth of your embrace. Help me find a way. And then it says, bring me back to you. And then the chorus, we have the words to the chorus. It goes, you're all I want. Some of you know this song. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. And this is an ask. Help me know you are near, right? So that, the end of that is a prayer for God to send his presence into our life. Help me, right? So I don't know if that's helpful to you. It's been super helpful to me for the last 30 days. So for you, it may not be singing that song or a song like it. For you, it might be I'm going to go every day or, or twice a day. I'm going to go on a 10-minute walk with God. And I'm just going to tell him. I, I may not say much to him the whole time. But one thing I will say every time, I'm going to go for this walk. And I'm going to say, God, I need your spirit. Or will you, will you, will you blow something this way, this spiritual thing in this area of my life? Oh, by the way, there is a huge difference between wishing God would do something and actually connecting with him and asking. There's a difference in those things. We live in a world where a bunch of people are really cranky because God didn't do this and God didn't do that. And there are times it's because we never even asked him. Amen? Right? There's a difference just being the cranky people who wish God would do, do his job better. Well, we should be asking him for those things. 
So the last fill in the blank is this. Perhaps God will send a life-changing wind if we ask. And over the next several weeks, there's going to be, I hope, a lot of asking going on. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.